following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. So for the next few moments, I want to talk to you on on this subject, and I've titled it today, The Prison of a Clenched Fist. The Prison of a Clenched Fist. So with that in mind, let me ask you this question. What what are you holding on to that's making a monkey out of you? There's a story I heard a long time ago. Perhaps you're very familiar with the story. It's not a new one. It's not groundbreaking, earth-shattering, but it's a story of how you catch monkeys. For those of you that have ever been in the monkey-catching business, you, you know this, but for those of you that that haven't experienced this. Um, monkeys are, are fast and agile creatures, and so people were trying to figure out how to catch them, and it's nearly impossible to do so, but, but hunters in Africa would design monkey traps based upon their behavior patterns. This is, this is pretty, pretty amazing. The hunters would actually use glass jars this is the best that I could do this is probably not what they use but it's something similar a glass jar um, and with the opening would be slightly bigger um, than the monkey's hand okay and so what what the monkey would do was reach its hand into the jar and grab a hold of food like peanuts just like this with a clenched fist Now, the jar would be attached to a string or to something that's tied to a tree. And so now, having the ability to let go of what they're holding on to, but they're so in love and desire so much to hold on to the food that they have grabbed that they will not let go of what they have and so it's very easy now for a trapper to come throw a net around the monkey and capture them because they are holding on to and will not let go of some simple food here's what I know about some of us in the room today over the last 15 16 months or so we've we, we've lived through one of the most, I don't know, especially in my time, one of the, just the wildest, craziest seasons of life. And it's thrown many of us for a loop. It's caused us to think like perhaps we've never thought before. It's caused us to question and doubt. It's caused uh, fear and anxiety to riddle our minds and to riddle our bodies. It's, it's caused marriage issues. It's caused issues on the job. It's caused issues with your children and with your family, and and I have a feeling that over the last 15 months or so, some of us have reached our hand into the jar of life and grabbed a hold of some things that maybe unbeknownst to you or maybe you do know about it, but it has started to make a monkey out of you. You've grabbed a hold of some things in your life that that if you looked back and you kind of had a transparent look at things and you said, you know what, I'm going to evaluate this, you might look back now and say, what in the world 
have I grabbed a hold of that is holding me captive? And it's holding us captive in every aspect of our life. It's costing you at home. It's costing you financially. It's costing you spiritually. It's costing you in your health. Because there's some things that we've grabbed a hold of, some things that we've, we've given authority over our life to. Some things that we've allowed to master us. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's the problem with that. The problem with being a follower of Jesus and allowing things in life to master you is very simple. See, you already have a master. If you're a follower of Jesus, you already have a master. And so what you are holding on to is trying to compete with the one who is already over you. I read a story recently of Mark Twain, and he was lecturing in Utah with an acquaintance of his on the subject of polygamy. And after a long, rather heated debate, the man said to Twain, Can you find me one single passage in the Bible that forbids polygamy? Twain replied, Certainly I can. He said, No man can serve two masters. But you've been, you've been mastered by some things that have taken place in your life over this wild, crazy season that we've just come through and we're continuing to come through. And so I want to draw your attention today to a very specific passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 6. And we're going to kind of walk through this. But the Apostle Paul is writing a, a long, extended letter to Christians who are living in Rome. And the, the letter would address this topic, this idea of, of already having a master, but, but allowing things that you have grabbed a hold of to hold you captive. And so Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 16, he starts like this. He says, don't you know? Don't you love it when people start a sentence? Hey, don't you know? Like, maybe you do know, but maybe you, you don't know is what he's saying. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone or something as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one that you obey? In essence, when you, when you stick your hand in the jar and you become bound to something, when you're obeying the thing that you've grabbed a hold of, you've allowed that thing to become your captive. You're allowing that thing to hold you captive because you won't let go. Whatever you say yes to, whoever you say yes to, to the degree that they're controlling your behavior, that thing or that person has become your captor. And is holding you captive. And he goes on to say, he says, I want you to understand what's at, at stake, church. You, this is a big deal. And he says in verse 16, it continues, whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or 
to the obedience to God, which leads to, to righteousness. So let's talk about this for a moment. What, what, what does this mean? Let me, let, me, let me define sin for you. And, and I know we, we hear a lot about sin in, in church, and, and we use the word quite a bit. But I want to break it down for those of you especially that may be new to your faith. I want to break it down to where you can easily understand what sin is. Because sin is much more than a list of things that you cannot do. Okay, so that's not, that's not what sin uh, is in its entirety. Let me explain it this way. Sin in the New Testament is anything that hurts or undermines you. It hurts or undermines you. Sin is, is anything that hurts or undermines the you beside you. Right? So, so sin is anything that hurts or undermines the, the yous that you live with or the yous that you're raising or the yous that you, you work with or the you that you married. Anything that hurts or undermines you or the you beside you, the you in front of you, the you behind you, that, that, that's what we're, we're calling sin today. This is an easy way to understand it. And, and here's why, because... Because the verse that perhaps you've heard once or twice in your life, maybe at some point in your life, uh, it starts in, in John chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, for God so loved all of the yous. For God so loved the world. For God so loved all of the yous. You, you. The you beside you. The you behind you, the you in front of you, the you that you married, the you that you're raising. And so when you, when you hurt or undermine you, who God loves, are you following me? When you hurt or undermine the you beside you, who God loves, God says, we're going to slap this word on it and we're going to call this sin. Why, 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 why is he so adamant about this? Stay with me. Because he knew what the verse continued to say. He says, sin leads to death. Now, I know this isn't the most encouraging yet, but you just stay with me, okay? For those of you that are unaware, and maybe you are new to church, or maybe you've been around church your entire life. I want to be very clear about this idea of sin. And Pastor dove into this heavily last week. And so I'm kind of dovetailing off of that. But sin kills. Sin kills things, it kills your marriage. You were unfaithful, you had a secret, you broke a wedding vow. You hurt the you that you live with, that you're married to. That is a sin. Sin kills careers. Sin kills your confidence. Sin kills your health. Sin kills financial security. Sin will kill your peace. Sin will kill peace with yourself. Sin will kill peace between you and God. Sin, sin destroys 
who and what you see in the mirror. Because you know, you know what you did was wrong. And so when you make decisions, sinful decisions, and you, you know what you did, you, you start talking to yourself, right? This is, this is what we do. I'm a, I was a coward. I was a chicken. I lied. I deceived. I did the wrong thing to protect myself. And that takes a massive toll on your soul. It takes a, a heavy toll on your soul. And so, so here's, here's the crazy part that, that I want you to understand. So of course, your heavenly Father is against sin. Of course he is. But it's not because he doesn't like you. It's because he's for you. Because he knows what you're doing is hurting or undermining you. It's not because he's sitting in heaven with his feet on earth looking to bring the gavel down on your head because you messed up. No. And this is a misconception in the church and, and people outside of the church thinking, man, oh, I got I to gotta just, I, I, he, he doesn't like me because I've made so many mistakes. No, no, no. Sin, sin and the reason there are things that, that are sinful is because he knows that they will hurt you or undermine you. So sin kills, but here's the good part. Obedience actually makes things right. Sin kills, but obedience makes things right. Doing what's right when it's hard. When's the last time you did something right and it cost you something? Come on, let's talk. Doing what's right when it's extremely difficult. Doing what's right when you know that you're going to be misunderstood, but you, you did it anyways because you know that it's the right thing to do. Obedience begins to make things right because here's what I've learned. There's nothing better in life than when I lay my head down on my pillow and say, I don't know how it's all going to turn out. I'm not privy to that, but here's what I know. In this situation, I did what I knew to be what was right. I did the right thing. And so, so a God who loves you, through the words of the Apostle Paul, is saying, come on, I want you to understand the consequences of sin. It literally will kill things in your life. But on the flip side of that, obedience begins to make things right. And so he says, and there's a but here. And the reason he, he uses a but is because there's a contrast in verse 17. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. Though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to not just believe... I love believing, but, but believing only takes you so far. Believing doesn't make a difference when it comes to sin. But, but obey. Obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. What he's trying to get across to us and what I feel like I want us to understand today is that he's saying obedience to God is what frees you. Obedience to God doesn't enslave you. 
And so many people have this miscalculation of Christianity that if I, if I give my heart to Jesus, that there's so much that, I can, that, that I'll never be able to do. And we look at it as if it's holding us captive. But what Scripture is teaching us today is that obedience to God is the thing that actually frees us, and obedience to self is the thing that holds us captive. Obedience to God frees you from sin and the consequences and complications of sin. So when Paul would later say, let's let's look at this for a second, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when Paul would say this, he starts it again like this. This is great. He says, don't you know? Because he's like, man, I don't think you know. Don't you know, watch, that you're bodies not your thought not your thought processes not your belief systems don't you know that your bodies are temples what my body this is not a temple i know what it, you got to imagine the way that they were thinking right and you you have to imagine back in the day no 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 my body's not a temple i know what a temple is i've been to a temple A temple is a sacred site. It's where heaven meets earth. I know, trust me, I I know good and well what a temple is, and and it is not this body. Trust me, and and Paul says, this is exactly what I want you to understand. This is exactly right. See, God has done something so radical here, so new, so life-changing, that from now on, because what God has done, the person next to you, is more sacred than any site that you could visit. The person, the you beside you, is more sacred than any temple. The the you in front of you and behind you and the you that you live with and you yourself are more sacred than any site that you can ever visit because of what God has done. And so God has done something so radical that people have become more sacred than sights. And this is blowing their mind. This is like, what is, no, what? And he's trying to get them to understand the value of people, the value of the person sitting next to you, the value of the family that you're raising, the value that you possess yourself. Says, do you not know that your bodies are temples? And he doesn't stop there. Here's why. Because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit, you are the temple of the Holy. God resides in you. And watch what is true of physical temples is also true of you and your temple. You are not your own. Temples belong to the gods. You and I are not our own. This temple, sometimes it looks like an old broken down, dilapidated house. When I eat pizza on Saturdays, 
this temple is not my own. I belong to God because I already have a master. We've already talked about that a little bit today. He says, because you're a temple, you are not your own. Paul says, you've got to understand that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you don't belong to you. And this is hard today in this day and age to believe and comprehend that we don't belong, that, that I don't belong to me. No, no, Scripture is, is very contrary to that thought process. He says, no, no, no. You belong to God. We belong to him. Watch. We have been purchased. We have been purchased with a price. You have been purchased with the price. I have been purchased with the price. And in the natural, this is hard to really wrap our head around and to understand and to comprehend because we're looking for freedom. And this implies captivity. Right? In, in the natural, it, it seems binding and restrictive. And I, I want to help you understand this for just a moment today. And, and to do that, I want to talk to you about this word called value for just a moment. See, I'm not sure that there actually is, like, a real value of something. Instead, I would posit that there is a perceived value. That there is a perceived value, no actual value. And, and the perceived value of a thing is what it will bring, right? That's what a perceived value, well, let me prove it to you. Homes in Austin, Texas right now. Are not selling for what the tax records say that they're worth. They're selling for what buyers from all over the world that are moving to Austin, Texas, perceive that they're worth. And it's why homes in every neighborhood in Austin are selling for more than the asking price. They're selling for more than what they're actually worth on paper because of the perceived value. Think about this. Think about sales at your favorite department store. They drop the price because people don't see that the, the value is worth the price. So they drop the price until you perceive that the value is worth it. So when we read, let me say this, perceived value determines the price that a person is willing to pay. Now in, in light of that, you got to stay with me for just a few more minutes. I'm almost done, but I want to make sure you understand this. So when we read a statement like that in a scripture that we just read, you have to remember that the price that we're talking about, we were, we were purchased with a price. The price determines your value in the eyes of God. The price that he was willing to pay determines your value. What have we read in John chapter 3? Perhaps a familiar passage of scripture. 
For God so loved the world. For God so loved the yous. For God so loved the you in front of you, behind you, the you sitting in your seat, you, you, you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one. What was the price that was paid for you? It was the blood of Jesus. So if you're questioning what your value is, you have to look at the price that was paid for you. The ultimate price was paid for you and for me. He placed a value on you that your mind can't even begin to comprehend. You were purchased by the blood of Jesus. And I know, I know we, we say this often, and sometimes when you say things often, it just becomes old hat. Your value is determined by the blood of Jesus. That's what he thinks about you. Your value is not determined whether you succeeded or failed in your last job. Your value is already determined. I'm trying to get somebody in the house today to understand that there is a God in heaven who values you and loves you and cares about your well-being, and cares about your, your past, present, and future more than you can even begin to comprehend. He cares about the yous. So with that in mind, let me ask you this question. What is, what has, the thing that you've allowed to master you? What has it ever offered you? What has it ever done for you? What has it ever given you? Here's what I'll tell you, here's what I promise you. Nothing. In fact, it's costing you everything. The things in life that you have picked up over the last several months because of the uncertainty of the day have never added value to your life. They've never given you anything. Yet we continue to have a clenched fist holding on as tight as we can. When there is a God in heaven 
who has given you his very best. And this is Paul's point. This is what he's, he's trying to get across, is that why make something that's actually hurting me and the people that I love, why allow that thing to be my master? And then he gives us this kind of punchline, if you will. He says in verse 20, therefore, in other words, in light of everything that we've just talked about, here's what I want you to do. Therefore, in all of your behavior, in all of your relationships, in every decision that you make, he says, I want you to honor God with your body. I want you to, I want you to honor God with everything that you have. What does that look like when you're, when you're hanging on to something, clinging on to something that demeans you, that is hurtful to you or to those around you? He's saying you've got to let it go because that is not honoring God with your body. and In fact, it's overlooking the incredible price that was paid for you. In essence... He's telling us anything that gets in the way of my love towards you needs to be moved out of the way. Needs to be let go of. Anything that, that gets in the way of my love for you or other people needs to be moved out of the way. Would you stand with me? So let me ask you this morning, Here, here's really the question that I've wanted to ask you all morning. What are you holding on to that's holding you back? What are you holding on to that is holding you back? Is it your anger? How long, how long are you going to drag this thing around, being held captive? Because here's what I promise you, the people that love you, the yous in your sphere of influence are waiting for you to let it go so they can have their husband back, so that they can have their dad back, so that they can have their mom back. They're waiting on you to release it and let it go. Is it a habit? Come on, let's talk for a second. Is it something that you've just, you've grown accustomed to over the last 15 or 16, 16 months? What, what is it that you need to let go of that, that it started as a habit, maybe as a pastime, and you're like, oh, now looking back, it's become the thing that has mastered me. It's controlling my time, my thoughts. You owe it to your future to let it go. Here's a hard one. Are you ready? Is there a friend or a group of friends that are pulling you down? That all they do is speak negativity into your life. And they're trying to pull you back to a way of life that you have already walked out of. 
Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's ignoring your health. Maybe it's the fact that you're too into your health. Maybe there's a hobby that is competing with your family. I know, listen, I know that's not easy to hear, but it's true that we have picked some things up that is costing us everything. And, and, And I'm trying to move you just a little bit today to a mindset that says there is a time and a place for me to let go of some things that have been holding me captive. Because it's not adding value to my life. In fact, it's costing me everything. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder today if just for the next couple of moments that you would search your heart and ask yourself, what is that? Is there something in me that I'm holding on to that I just, for some reason, I just choose not to release it and I'm dragging this trap around and it's holding me, it's holding me captive. What is it that you're holding on to that's holding you back? Come on, can you identify that thing today? You can't let it go if you don't figure out first what it is. So Lord, right now, God, I pray. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to be transparent with ourselves in this moment. That, Lord, if we don't know what that is, that you would drop things in our spirits. The gentle whispers of God, I pray that you would begin to whisper right now. That your holy nudge would take place in this room right now. That we know that it's of you in this moment, God, that you are talking to us that there's some things that we've been clenching so tight that has power over us because of how tight we're holding it. God, let us understand what that is. Now, I want you to do something with your eyes closed. Listen, this may sound nobody's looking around, but this is really just a sign of surrender. But if that's you today, I, I wish that you would throw your hands in the air nobody's watching nobody's looking there's no need to be embarrassed in this moment maybe you're not comfortable with that listen nobody's watching I promise you and I don't want your hands and your fist clenched come on right now why don't you just open your hands as a sign of surrender just say Lord right now right now I let it go God, I release the anger that I've developed. God, I let go of some patterns that I've developed the last 15 or 16 months, some frustrations. God, I let go of some some habits and, and some thought processes and some things that I've been doing. I choose in this moment to release them right now because I already have a master. Yeah. As the team sings right now, I wonder, I wonder if you would just continue to let God do something in your heart and in your life right now. Come on, can you surrender it to him today for the sake of your family, 
Can you let it go? Yeah. Come on, do you need a miracle today? Come on, he can do it right now. Yeah. Today is the day. This is your moment. Yes. Let it go. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, here's what we commit to you today. We've let it go. And we refuse to pick it back up again. We're not going to pick it back up anymore. No, 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 no. We have been bought with a price. (laughs) We already have a master, and we're not going to be mastered by the things of this world any longer. We understand today that you love us beyond comprehension, that our minds can't even begin to understand the value that you have placed on our life. So we thank you today for what you've done in this moment. We thank you today for what you're going to continue to allow us to have open hands. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, here's your homework as we leave today, all right? And this is hard. Some homework is more difficult than others. This is more difficult. Find somebody that you love, that you value. If you're married, ask your spouse, hey, is there something... Is there something in me that is holding us back? Is there something that I'm holding on to that is holding us back? Ask a a mentor, is there something in me that is holding me back? Here's what I know, the people that love you the most, they know the answer to this question. And if you wanna grow spiritually, if you wanna grow in your walk with God, ask the hard questions and then take a step of faith and begin to let some more things go in your life. So, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for this amazing audience. And thank you for what you've done in this moment as we have let some things go today. Bring us back safely in the house on Wednesday night, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you on Wednesday night.